doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. I'm good, man. Thanks for that that, that epic half intro. <laughs> <laughs> now you um, you're you're living the life, man. You are you are doing all the things that people dream of. Just saying, you know what? I'm gonna go do what the hell I want. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man. I'm trying. Holy sh- I, like, it, it, and it's happened like pretty fast too. <laughs> things are moving quick, and uh, yeah, like. Every, every week I have to sit down by like Sunday night. I'm like, what did I just do this week? And it's always putting a huge smile on my face because it's like the most outrageous, wild, wild stuff you can imagine. You know, now you, you started off for the most part with a, a YouTube channel, Oddest of the Odd, and, and you were doing some great video work, um, you know, different, uh, uh, different vi- live versions of video game scenarios and uh, stuff like that. And you were you were getting a lot of views, and I mean your production quality. I'll be honest with you, was pretty pretty staggering. It was it was some good stuff. I mean, you, you, <laughs> Thanks, you're, you're accurate, you know. Um, 
and then then you uh then you took off for for LA and you know we I know we've had a conversation in the past where you were doing uh filming uh, soccer soccer games for uh, the likes of Will Ferrell or birthday parties <laughs> for Will Ferrell and uh yeah man LA is a strange place <laughs> you're rubbing elbows with all kinds of uh all kinds of people but then you did you did some stuff with uh, Ghost Adventures Yep, Ghost Ventures. I was doing I was doing the craziest stuff in the music industry. I was filming with some of the biggest names there. Now, am I, am like, I correct in remembering that you actually snuck onto the set of Slipknot's uh, "We Are Not Your Kind" and you ended up landing a a part in it? Yeah. So um, right when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, you know, I moved out there with about a thousand bucks in my account after paying my deposits for my really overpriced uh, apartment downtown. And, um, I had no jobs, nothing to do. And I was like, man, I got my camera, a little bit of money. Let's get to work. So I started applying to all these different, you know, acting jobs, filming jobs, this and that, and nothing was landing. And then finally I get an email from Pitman casting and it was for, um, an extra for a, a music video. And I didn't know what it was. So I just applied for it. And I've been a Slipknot fan since I was a little kid. Oh, so yeah. who hasn't? <laughs> right. So like, like it's literally that they've been my all-time favorite band. And then I get I get a response back like a week later, and I find out it's for Slipknot. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> I got to do anything and everything to like impress these dudes. So I, you know, I just I get ca I get cast in with like two, three hundred other people. And what I end up doing, just long story short. I end up halfway through filming. I snuck off, brought a change of clothes, brought my camera, and I, I'm still covered in blood, sweat. My hands are dirty. My hair is all gross. And I, I sleep. I sneak into the side uh, on, during lunch, or it was a dinner break, where the band was and all the producers and directors. And I sit down next to Clown, <laughs> and I'm eating lunch <laughs> with him. And everyone's like, uh, and they could tell I'm an extra because I'm covered in blood. And they're like, sir, uh, what are you doing in here? And I was like, oh, hello, my name is Corbin Gorham from uh, Niles, Michigan, and I'm a YouTuber videographer, and yeah, just huge fan. And then they just loved my energy, and then it kind of just popped off from there. I was doing videos for YG, Megadeth, Neo. Uh, I did some stuff with Cardi B, like just crazy shit. <laughs> that's that's unreal. You just yeah. you, you put yourself in the right spot, and, and things just start happening for you. Yep. Yep. And I won't lie. The first six months in LA was some of the most miserable times of my life. But, uh, after that, man, I was, like you said, I was, I was, I was showing up at places I'd never thought I'd even be. I was up in the Hills and stuff running with like some of the biggest names in, in video gaming and film and music. It was just a lot was thrown at me and little Ryan Becker. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so now, now your most recent project kind of takes you back to what I remember of you on our first uh, our first impression or my first impression of you, which was you were a huge fan of horror movies, and yep. and you were you were big into uh, paranormal. Huge, like ever since I was a little kid, it's like taps goes you know when ghost hunters first started uh, showing on uh, the sci-fi channel i was instantly hooked my mom and dad like they celebrated halloween like most people celebrate christmas i remember that and yeah so i've just <laughs> I've always to go down your street <laughs> exactly we've uh yeah we just horror has been such a huge part of my life since i as, as long as i can remember so it means a lot to me and i i know a lot about it 
So that's that's kind of currently what you're working on now. You've got a, you've got a project in the works. Um, you were kind enough to send me some video excerpts and some uh, some photos from some stuff yeah. you've been doing recently. And I got to be honest with you, that's good stuff, dude. That's as that's um, as good as anything that you're going to see on, on Travel Channel or Discovery Plus or anything. Yeah, man, and that's a, that's a really really early draft. So like by the time you see it, it's probably going to be changed like 15 different times. But you spent some time recently in the Perrin House, better known yes. as the Conjuring House from the uh, Conjuring movies, the original Conjuring movie. Yep, the all-famous Conjuring House. <laughs> now, that, that has a very storied background to it. And what, uh, over the course of the years, I mean, it was built, what, in the 1890s? I even think earlier than that. It was definitely the 1800s. And there's been, what, a total of seven children that have died while while living in that home? Um, it wasn't, from what I've heard from the, the owners who own it now, it wasn't all in the house. Some of it has been on the property. Some of it's been in the house. Some of it's been down the road. But they, okay. all, cor- they all correlate to being related to the house. And these video excerpts that you just sent me, these are all from the investigation in that house. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we did a whole overnight house or uh, overnight investigation. We call it the conjuring house haunted doll sleepover because we decided, cause you know, you see all these videos on the internet about, Oh, we stayed in the most haunted house. Oh, the conjuring house or we stayed in, you know, um, all these reformatories and stuff. Well, we were like, how can we do one of these overnight stays, but spice it up. Mm-hmm. And we decided to, take some of our uh some of our because we had, i had the racket boys with me so you know the, these guys have tons and tons of followers and they have they have a little bit of power with their name and so we reached out to for the, for the listeners these, not to interrupt you but for the listeners oh you're good why don't you why don't you just give a little bit of background on the racket boys so so they know who you're talking about yeah so the racket racket boys are some these two twins from australia who i started following back in 2014 <laughs> They'd shoot crazy wild um, uh, skits and what kind of just stuff that I, 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 I like, I do. And I kind of followed their style and I started like learning from them and watching, watching how they do things. And YouTube ended up flying me out there to meet them and then like, we just became best friends. So then these guys were never meant to be YouTubers. They've always wanted to be filmmakers and they're huge into the paranormal and into um, horror. So when they... Um, they, they end up hiring me throughout like around 20, 2016, 2017. And then that's why we moved up to LA to work with them and whatnot. And, um, these boys just sold a film to Hollywood recently. It's a big horror film. It'll be going to theaters and whatnot, but they do everything. They are, they are the craziest, most inspiring people I've ever met in my entire life. They are some of the hardest working people. So anyways, they have this, they have this huge following. They have 6 million followers on YouTube. A lot of people will probably recognize the name if they're, if they're listening to this, because they also do a lot of stuff that is involved in the paranormal. So you, you teamed up with them on this project. Yes. Yep. It was a collab that we did. So we decided to go to the conjuring house and we decided to spice it up. Um, we reached out and got, some of the world's most haunted dolls involved. And we wanted to bring every single one that we could get our hands on and bring it to the epicenter, you know, the supposedly the world's most haunted house, mm-hmm. the conjuring house. Um, we, I, I, I had, uh, I have some history with the Annabelle doll and with Tony Sparrow. And, um, 
he's had some weird falling out in the paranormal field um, with a bunch of he's he he I don't know what the exact story is, but he hasn't really been getting along with a lot of people. Now and like him and Zach, that's Ed and Lorraine Lawrence son-in-law son-in-law correct yep yep that's judy that's judy that's judy's um husband okay who judy judy is ed, ed and lorraine's daughter right. um they're really cool we got i got to go film film with them back in like 2017 but anyways annabelle was of course the number one because she's supposedly the most haunted doll well come to find out she's not just the only most haunted doll we found we found some really spooky ass dolls that um we actually got permission to uh, fly out to America because they're from all over the place. They're from, we got one from Australia. We got one from Japan. We got one, we got some from New Orleans, a bunch from all around the U S I think there was a total in like 10, 10 haunted dolls and then like 25 haunted objects that we got. It was insane. So all these owners, like when we first started pitching this idea and this is like what we want to do, the people who own the house were actually against it because they're like, we don't know what's going to happen if you bring all these haunted artifacts into this house. Right. We've already got enough going on in here. We don't want to unleash more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, um, so it, it, to us, you know, that's like a dream come true to to be one of the most haunted houses with some of the world's most haunted dolls. Now happen. And if, if, if it's okay with you, you sent me several pictures of the dolls. Um, yeah. when I hear this episode, if I can use those pictures on social media, so people get oh, an totally. idea of what these, uh, what these dolls will look like. Um, yeah, creepy as hell. I'm not a big fan of dolls anyway. Just never been a, <laughs> right. a doll person. Um, action figures were a different, uh, different story, but, uh, dolls, <laughs> <laughs> dolls. And, and these are some creepy ass looking dolls, man really creepy dolls and not even that their their backstories and just the history of like all the like everything is even creepier and for the video when we release it i'm not sure it should be released within the next like two weeks so i'll be sure to send that to you and oh really yeah and you'll 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 be able to get an idea of like like what i'm talking about but like some of these dolls man the one from australia it's called letta the doll Mm -hmm. is the spookiest shit i've ever heard (laughs) What kind of stuff you got going on with that? Or do you not want to give well, anything away? Well, no, 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 we don't. We can totally talk about it. we. Um, so this is the doll from Australia that, that it's kind of on people's radar, but it's, it's still like one of those hidden gems that not many people know about. But a lot of Australians know about it. Um, this doll, so this guy back in the 80s, him and his brother were going to like a family's uh, funeral or something. And they were it, they, it was someone they didn't really know. That, that that was you know too close or anything so they decided after the funeral after the viewing they went to this this local haunted house that everyone that's you know that's abandoned that everyone says is mega haunted or whatever and they go there to try to communicate with their uh the their their family member who's passed away and so they get there and it starts pouring rain right so they run the house and they're in there and then for whatever reason one of them falls through like the floorboard and they rip it back open and they find this doll underneath the floors, <laughs> like shoved in the floorboard. That's not a good sign. Um, yeah. And so they end up taking the doll and cause it looked super, it looked like it was worth money and whatnot. Clean it up. Well, then all these spooky happenings started to happen and you can look up videos of this. There's videos all over the internet, um, with the owner talking about it and he's owned it ever since he's kind of obsessed with it, which is kind of creepy. Um, I don't know, know if that's like something to do with, you know, the haunting or yeah, 
Yeah, and a lot of people because like we had a medium at the house who we we brought out each doll one by one and let her get like a reading off of it before we told her like the backstories mm-hmm. and she straight up said that the owner of this doll is obsessed with it and we were like all of our jaws dropped because you know she's spot on and um this doll is just the creep it has these like it's from they, they say it's from like early 1800s um and that's the one with the big nose i think i said i showed you oh yeah yeah um, yeah yeah my favorite yeah, so my, my favorite one yeah and, it, and that one is at my house right now <laughs> oh no shit yeah, I'll have to bring it down and let you get a photo with it before we send it back to Australia. Oh, that'd be awesome. It is the creepiest doll, man. And I've had, I'll, I'll tell you this, I'm, I, so I'm a skeptical believer, all right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to believe, but I will, I have all the equipment, I have most of the knowledge. I want to usually go out of my way and try to debunk stuff because I, I you know, like, like most of these listeners probably, you guys want to know the truth. Exactly. And that's what, and the, I think, that's I think what that's this, a really healthy way of going about this kind of topics is i think you have to have some skepticism yeah 100 percent. and you know both the rack boys it has been like their lifelong goal to figure out if this stuff is real and they're they're just like you and me they, they love the paranormal they love anything alien ufo related anything bigfoot related mm-hmm. and they you know they they have the money and power to, to travel all around the world and go to some of these places like they went to the island of dolls with ray mysterio <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah, and they did a huge over. Uh, they did a huge overnight investigation there. So it's like these guys. So they they went into this the Conjuring house, you know, completely skeptical, and then shit started happening. And it, as you can see in some of the videos that I sent you, some really weird shit started happening with these two this this boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And that's actually that's actually Satora Hawes. That's that's the oh, that's, that's the daughter. Of, daughter. Yep, that's Jason's daughter doing yeah, from that. Ghost hunters. Yep. What now? Ghost Nation, right? Ghost Nation, yeah. yeah. You know, and her, I, I her, thought I her, recognized her, but I couldn't place her. Yep. And then her, he's actually her boyfriend is actually on Ghost Nation too. Like he's one of the investigators. Uh-huh. I, I, I kind of stopped watching. Like once, once Ghost Adventures kind of popped off, I think Ghost Hunters kind of fell off for me. It did. It did as uh, as well for me. Um, you know. There, there's a, there's a, a thing when you start when you have a producer that they find something that works once and creates a lot of anticipation for when you come back from a, a commercial break to to get the reveal. You know that's that one or two times that builds up some anticipation and you know it's like holy shit I can't wait till the commercials are over I want to see what they got. But yeah. when you start doing that for every commercial in every show in every season, it really gets to be a bit much. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then when they do come back and they recap the last four minutes of of the previous before the break, you know it. You're not getting a whole lot of uh, earnest content at that point. And I think if there's any if there's anything I can say to you as far as the way you guys are going to produce your show. Stay away from that because that's really freaking annoying. <laughs> yeah. No, and I agree with you. It's 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 also another reason why I, I kind of stopped watching most paranormal shows in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll catch myself watching them all the time, and I, I love watching them. I enjoy it's watching comfort, them. It's a comfort show for people like us. It it's, it's a comfort show. It I is. Can, I, can put on, I can put on on demand with Ghost Adventures 
the earlier seasons and just let it play through whether I'm cooking oh, dinner or cleaning house so or good. whatever. You know, especially when especially when Nick was on the team, like it was mm-hmm. such a good show. Yeah, and you know, even now the new ones. And I, I say that, but actually, it's been going on for probably the last five seasons. This uh, this dedication to the, everything being demonic. You know, I, I yeah, and that's I, I heard you guys talking about that. And I wanted to talk about that too. Now, yeah, I do. That's that is the only thing that has turned me off on mm-hmm. on Ghost Adventures is that everything is an evil entity that is out to hurt people and this and that. And yeah. And I love the boys, you know, I, I, I've worked with them. I, I, I know them and, uh, they, they, they mean well and they take their job pretty like honestly serious. Oh, Unlike I, I most don't, people. I don't ever, I've never doubted that at all. Yeah. But the, the, the production of the show. Yeah. It, it comes off like it's like this horrible evil thing mm. when, and I think in the real world, it's not, it doesn't always have to be evil. <laughs> No, I don't think so either. And I think, by and large, I think the majority of people's experiences, whether or not they're scared by it or frightened by it is one thing. But I don't think the percentage of actual demonic spirits or something with a nefarious uh, intent is, is even remotely close to half of what people experience. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we kind of we 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 took that all in mind with going to this conjuring house with all these haunted dolls, um, and you know there were some of them we didn't even know about until the because we had half of them that came on a traveling museum of haunted artifacts that came to the house with mm-hmm. us, and we learned about some of those spirits and um, a lot of those haunted dolls weren't actually like you know malicious or evil. Um, there was one. It was a Christmas tree topper, and it was just this. It's like this little angel. I think I I sent you a picture of it. The, the smaller doll, okay, one yeah. in the blue. It don't you set Christmas trees on fire? Oh, really? Yeah, and has set a few houses on fire. And so we had the grand idea of bringing a Christmas tree with us, and we set that we set that doll on top of the Christmas tree. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, some fucking weird shit happened. Really? So they, the, the owners of the house would not let us, they would not allow us to put the, 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 the this doll because of how evil it was. And we were like, come on, there's no way it's as evil as they're trying to make it out to be. Um, so, and not really evil, but more so malicious. Like it's out to, to, to cause harm. I mean, if it's starting fires, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty malicious. <laughs> so um, we decided to stick this, christmas tree outside and put this doll on top and then we let we we put a camera on it we let it record for i think about an hour hour and a half well we go back we 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 go to review the footage right and there's christmas lights on the tree and it's sitting out the 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 positioning of the cameras facing like the road so you can see the road way off like through the trees in the background Mm -hmm. and as soon as we put we we hit record and we walk inside a fucking fire truck at three in the morning flies by and we're in the middle of the woods. We're like the, like where the country house is like on the back roads, right. a fucking fire truck flies by and then the Christmas lights flicker and then go off. And oh, then an, another fire truck flies by in the background. And I'm talking at three in the morning on back roads in Monroe or not Monroe, Connecticut, uh, in Rhode Island 
in the middle of nowhere. It was the and no fires or anything, yeah. but the the owners there was like doll handlers there that wouldn't allow us to touch it or anything because you know fragile and mm-hmm. they're afraid of any kind of type of possession and anything. Um, they take the doll off right of the tree and we're sitting there filming it, and there's soot all over the bottom of the doll, like 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 black ash, like from a fire. Oh no way! Yeah, so we were like, was it, uh, had it been there? Pri- had it been there prior to you put it in up there, or was it something that no, transpired no, while this it was, was on the tree? Yeah, this this like manifested while we were gone, oh, and my. you know we we have we have it on camera, and like I said, the the group of us we're we're there with some pretty hardcore um, paranormal investigators. Like I said, we we're there with you know Jason Hawes' daughter and stuff, but um you know I we're we have everything on camera, so we went back and reviewed the footage to make sure it wasn't on the doll. And there was some on the doll's face, but they said that was from the previous. And like when they first showed us the doll, we noticed it on the face, mm-hmm. but they showed us the whole doll and there was a little bit on the bottom of the skirt, but nothing crazy. But when we got it back after the Christmas tree, it was like noticeably a large amount of soot on the, on the bottom. Yeah. It was the strangest thing ever. <laughs> Which doll was this? Was this the one in the blue dress? that looks like it has angel wings or was it the one that was in the plexiglass cabinet? Yeah, no, that's the one with the angel wings. Okay. In the, in the picture, you can actually see a little bit of soot on her face from the last uh, the, from the last time. Yeah, on her cheek. Uh, yeah. Yep. So they, um, um, Jason Hawes' daughter, they own that haunted traveling museum, and they have all these dolls. Now, what's the story with the one that's in the wood box with the upside down cross? Did I lose you? Cortland? Okay, I got Cortland back on the line here. It's almost, uh, I've, I've had this happen on, on a couple of couple of other shows where I've been talking about spirits, where I drop a call. And typically, with the carrier that yeah. I have, um, I, I don't ever have any issues with this. And Gorlin, I was I was just starting to ask you uh, about one of the pictures that you sent me. There's a, a doll in a in a wood box, and I suppose uh, it depends on how you orient the doll in the box. But the way it is in this photograph, the box uh, appears to have a uh, a cross nailed to the inside of the box, and it's upside down to yeah. to, the, to the doll. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little strange that you pointed that out because um, so we we had to have an exorcist there mm-hmm. um, for this overnight. They wouldn't let us do the investigation without an exorcist. Um, and he actually pointed that out because because we didn't know. So this is one of the dolls we got in Austra- or, um, in New Orleans. This is the reason we went to New Orleans. So the Rack of Boys, they put out a call on social media. And, you know, they had, like I said, they have millions of followers. They We put looking for some of the world's most haunted dolls. And we kept getting people talking about some something in New Orleans. And we were like, that's weird, because we're going to New Orleans because we, uh, we were doing a shoot for Logan Paul. And we were like, oh, well, when we're, we're in town, we'll go take a look. You know, and then New Orleans, they just got hit with a really bad hurricane yeah. in September, which is, we were there at the end of September, beginning of October. So, a lot of the aftermath of this hurricane Ida was, was, you know, prevalent. And 
we were going driving around and we were seeing tons and tons of damage, people who lost their homes. It, it was it was pretty bad. And they say it was just as bad as uh, Katrina. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, we take this information that we get um, from some people, and it leads us to an old um, like oddity shop, but it was more more so an antique shop that just kind of had odd shit mm-hmm. and. We um, went inside and we documented this. Is, this will all be in the documentary. We go inside, we talk to the owner, and we ask about this doll. And he like, he kind of perks up and is like, oh, that's kind of strange you guys know about this. And so we we have him show us where it is. He takes us all the way upstairs. And this is a really, really old school um, antique shop. And there's tons of weird old school stuff in this place. He takes us all the way upstairs. We go through... And he's digging on top of this old, like, sh- like, uh, um, like this wardrobe mantle thing. Mm-hmm. And he pulls this box down, and we see like all these nails and everything. We're like, "What? This is it? The doll's in here?" He says, "I don't know." We're like, "What do you mean you don't know?" He's like, "I've never opened this." And we're like, "What do you mean you've never opened this?" And he tells us of this about the story. He is a, a, a newer owner to this antique shop, so. Just three, three or four years ago, he had bought he had bought the building from uh, some random old dude, and the guy would not sell this this building to him unless he kept a few of the things in the building. Because the the guy was like, "Well, you need to take everything out from upstairs. Like, we don't want no junk." And the guy was like, "No, like I have to sell the house with this stuff." And one of those things was the doll. Really. And he, yeah, the guy was like this, this, this case. Cause he didn't tell him what was in the case at first. He said, this case needs to stay in this building. And he, he didn't get into like detail or anything. And we're, you know, like I said, we had this all in video. So you'll, you'll hear the whole, whole story, but, um, he ended up just, you know, saying whatever, we'll just keep it. You know, he's opening up an antique shop. Well, the guy, the last thing the guy said was like, you know, there's a haunted doll in this box just uh you know you can open it if you want but i haven't opened it either and we're like and the the whole story sounded like boo you bukaki you know we were like this is there's no way you haven't opened this well finally we the 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 guy we we asked him we could use it for a video he he was against it at first but then the rack boys offered him a good good amount of money just to buy it and the guy was like yeah fine you know he sold it to us after like three days of bugging him about it but he would not let us open the doll in the antique shop. Well, well he would let us shop. open that. Yeah. So we waited to open it up until we got into the conjuring house. So oh. those pictures you see that I sent you, that's the first time we saw it. <laughs> and <laughs> you can, you can hear all of our reactions and no one knew what those nails were that were protruding through the box. And it was yeah. strange because they weren't nailed into the box. They were nailed out. Right, so yeah. they nailed something on the inside and we didn't recognize the shape at first, but after we opened it, we realized it was a crucifix nail and it's like it's like a, it looked like a movie it looked like some shit you see out of you know the, the conjuring <laughs> like it's like your stereotypical haunted doll but the strange thing is is that this guy the the owner of the antique shop was telling us that during the hurricane ida he would go stay at the shop because they lost power where they were living and there were really bad floods and whatnot so he stayed at the antique shop and he would hear crying coming from that room where the box was in. Ooh, no. And there was a bunch, there was a bunch of stuff in there, but he'd hear tons of crying in the middle of the night. He'd go in there and he said, he kept joking with himself 
that it was it was the doll, but he just kind of ignored it or whatever. And so, um, and this and the, the the weird thing is is that none of this activity started until after the hurricane came, and so he was saying he was talking about the water, about how all like you know the floods, all the mm-hmm. rain, how the water, all that movement of water probably helped like with the, uh, with the energy yeah 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 it helped it helped it helped pretty much give the, the the spirit the energy it needed to to communicate and you know manipulate things and move things and whatnot and uh, we found that very strange and we ended up actually calling him and showing him pictures after we opened it and he was shitting bricks <laughs> <laughs> well you know i mean that's it, it's pretty uh it's pretty widely recognized that uh that water and some for some forms of uh rock are are conductors for spirit materialization exactly uh, you know i mean new orleans has a uh, a very storied past as far as uh, spirits go anyway yeah and to go back to what you were saying about how the crucifix was upside down compared to the way the doll was laying yeah. the exorcist, the exorcist, he called that out as well. And cause he thought that was very strange because it, it, the whole thing was strange. Cause there was an old picture. There was an old envelope in the, in the, uh, in the case underneath the doll. And it had an old picture of these three little kids and it had an address on it for some factory in new Orleans. It, it, it almost seemed staged, but it was, a. Uh, I don't know, man. It was some spooky, some spooky shit went down that night with those dolls. Well, I mean, you know, going back to the the doll in the box itself. I mean, it it's all relative to how the doll was put into the box. If mm-hmm. if they would have put the head at the other end, then the cross would have been oriented the proper way. Um, yeah, but it is kind of odd that if you had not touched that box or opened it until you got to the. Uh, the conjuring house and when you did it was in uh in the in the wrong orientation that's that's kind of yeah very strange and there were locks on it too like oh, we had there? to break the lock yeah we had to break the locks on it. so we had bought this box not knowing there was an actual doll in it we just knew because we'd shake it we knew that there was something that felt heavy inside and like i said they kind of paid a lot of money for it and uh we just hoped to god that he wasn't lying to us <laughs> Because he, like I said, he wouldn't let us open it. Uh, he wouldn't let us open it in, in New Orleans. We we just we, we waited. We waited like three weeks until we could open it at the Conjuring House. Now, uh, one of the photographs that you sent along was uh, with the Exorcist and the medium sitting next to him. Uh, I assume that's like right at the moment that you first opened the box. Yeah, everyone was kind of, everyone was a little uh, breathless. Like we all were, like what? Yeah, that because <laughs> that was the, the last, medium. Has that, that was the last all we did. The, the medium has a very sour look on her face. Yeah, yeah. What was, she, uh, what was her she, impression of that doll? She did not like it at all. She didn't want us to touch it, but um, especially because it was locked up. She they, she was like, she was telling us like something to like, whatever, she kept saying, whatever's in this box, we shouldn't touch. And even the owners, were they, they were kind of upset that we, we wanted to open it um, at the house. But uh, as you can see in some of the pictures, we even have uh, like our um, uh, our EMF pot, uh, um, K- readers, K- like so next and stuff. Yeah, the K two. Yeah, they they were going off. They were going off like crazy. That's interesting. So the uh, the owners, the current owners of the uh, of the Conjuring House, they were there with you during this investigation, or they were there for part of it. They were only there for 
and it was like three o'clock they had left to go stay in a hotel uh-huh. um and then the uh you know then we just had we had like the psychic there all night with us uh, or the medium i mean she's not a psychic um and then we had like the exorcist he was there till about like three but then by by the end of the by the end of the night it was just us was it is is anybody currently living in the house full-time now yeah it's the two owners i don't remember their names they're they're really nice people but um they're they're trying to sell the house the house is up for sale right now i think for like 1.4 million or something crazy yeah and the house is old the house is not up to date (laughs) Heinzen, I think, is the, the the name of the couple, the last name, Heinzen, something like that. Yeah, I think it's something like that. But, um, yeah, man, like, we had some weird stuff happen. Like I said, we had a, you know, we did, we did a whole, like, uh, I think total, we were there for 18 hours, and um, there was some spooky stuff. I went in as a skeptical believer. The Racket Boys went in as non-believers, and we all left legit questioning everything <laughs> really yeah did you get a chance to watch a video i sent you um where uh satori pauses holding hands with yes. her boyfriend yep so they kept telling us this couple who was there with us who had brought some more haunted dolls that we um uh got off them they kept telling us all night that they have this trick that they can do it's not like like a trick trick but like a like this this thing that happens to them and it's unexplainable and they've been trying to figure, you know, they've been at, going around to conventions and, you know, all these other like, uh, investigators and seeing if anyone has ever experienced anything like this. And we, they wouldn't tell us what it was at first. So they took us all upstairs to one of the more haunted bedrooms and we all sat around in a circle and there was no one else in the house and they hold hands and then they open, they, they invite spirits to come hang out with us and, I'm not even joking. Something fucking walks into the room yeah, and you, you hear it and feel it. You can clearly hear the footsteps in the video. It was, it was like, it was, it was so loud. It felt fake. And we, you, you can see like the reaction of, uh, the rack boys, the twins. Yeah. They were not, they're like this. Someone's pulling our leg. They, these people were making it bounce off the walls, off the ceilings. They, they took us outside and could do this thing where they held hands. We'd all be standing there and you would hear something walking around in the gravel. Really? It made, it made, it blew my mind. We were doing everything, absolutely everything to debunk it. We were running downstairs. We were looking in the walls. They were like, we made them take their clothes and shirts off to make sure there was nothing like no, like, you know, mechanism that was, they were hiding. We could not figure it out. They were, they were apparently inviting spirits to come, physically walk around in the same space as we were and moving things. It was the strangest thing I've ever experienced. That's really interesting. Made, bro, it, bro, it made no sense. We were so confused. You know, I wonder if that's some kind of a, um, a peripheral effect of her having grown up with, with a father that is so, so steeped in, in investigations. I wonder if this is, some kind of a, um, a a hitchhiker that she's picked up as a result of of being around this kind of stuff for so long. Yeah, and I had to ask her that too because I didn't know she was actually I didn't know she was the daughter of Jason Hawks. And I'm like, I was a big diehard, you know, uh, Grant and Jason fan mm-hmm. growing up. So like, she's sitting there showing us photos of like her family and stuff, and I'm like, wait, who's that? She's like, oh, that's my dad. I'm like, 
wait, your dad is Jason Hawes? He goes, yeah, my last name's Hawes. I was like, what? what? <laughs> I dropped down my knees and started like, oh. Uh. <laughs> but um, yeah, as soon as I found out that information, I was like, this kind of makes sense why this would be happening to you. <laughs> is this something that so, she seems comfortable with? They do now, yeah. They kind of use it. They kind of use it when there's skeptics around and they wanted to, they want to prove people like right there on the spot oh, that this stuff exists. That's a pretty cool way of being able to, uh, um, yeah. out perspective. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really made the racket boys kind of quit. We were, like I said, we kind of left that night. We, we, we ended up going to Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween and we, uh, we kind of sat there and just kind of all, everyone was really quiet on the drive home and just kind of like looking at the footage and just kind of really, you know, thinking deep about what we just experienced. So where are you headed next? Ah, so right now, um, we are working on a few short horror films here in Michigan, just, just through the month of December. And then in January to March, I'm going to Australia to work on, Oh, big right, horror okay. feature that yeah, the Racker Boys are doing. But in between all that, we are working on a few other projects. Um, I'm doing a documentary about this this phenomenon that we found out about years ago called Sliders. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. So there's for, not much. For our, list, not, for our listeners, go ahead and explain what it is to you. Yeah, so there's not much about this phenomenon and um we we my aunt and my mom have done years of research to try to find other people that this happens to and whatnot but this is this it's it's this effect that humans um can manipulate uh energy sources like lights light fixtures um anything battery powered and whatnot and it's not it doesn't sound like it's anything too paranormal but it's definitely unexplainable and it happens with me and my family a lot and my my mom my aunt and my mom she grew up they both grew up um having problems with light bulbs going out all the time on them and oh constantly having to change them and this and that and then me and my cousins and my siblings we grew up noticing that it was happening to us and is, I used is to it usually every, is it usually always related to like light bulbs and, and electrical stuff? It's kind of different for like each of us. Okay. Like Lori, she, my my aunt Lori, she can have she can have um, like the actual light switches themselves kind of go out, and she'll have to like completely like repair them and fix them and stuff. Um, my mom, she'll have my mom will experience weird things where she sees like balls of energy like 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 almost like electrical balls like mm-hmm. in her house that'll just kind of like zip through the house and whatnot and like knock oh, things over yeah very strange stuff and i kind of grew up in on house so it's um I'll, I'll get to that later but um so i used to use this as like a party trick kind of and like freak my friends out and i the, the thing with me that i've been documenting lately is street lights i can go under a street light and the chance of it going out is like 50, 50. <laughs> I'm not joking. And the rack of boys, when I had them here in Michigan, I was explain cause Lori had brought it up and he was like, bullshit. He was calling me out saying, there's no way this happens. So I drove him around. I drove around just down the street and 
three different lights, street lights, went out as soon as we drove underneath them and they came back on. Was and this, then he was, was this, like, Was this local to like where your mom and dad live? This is uh, here in Battle Creek. Oh, okay. Yep. This is Battle Creek. And that's where my aunt lives. My, my mom and dad live in Niles. And my aunt lives in Battle Creek. And um, so we were driving around and then we, we parked at my house and he's kind of like wigged out and he's filming all this. We have this all on video. And he's like, there's no way. I was like, all right, man, let's go for a walk. And so we go for a walk and I let him pick the street. He says like left, right. And on that walk, we had three different lights go out and we doc- we documented it. So in a matter of one night with, with actually within like three hours, I had six different street lights go out and I'd walk underneath them. And then as soon as I walk away, they'd go back on or with the video I sent you vice versa, there was a light out and I ran underneath it and the light turns on, turns on. Yeah. and then I'd run away from it and then turn off. And I did that the other night, me and um, all my high school friends, um, Jesse Roberts, Patrick Bankirk, Kyle Basley, you know, you know, all them guys, mm-hmm. we were playing, we were playing, we played D and D like every Friday. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, we, uh, at the end of the night, we ran out in the street and I made them stand there and like a legit, about a quarter mile down, there's just a single street light by itself. And I said, guys, watch this. I sprinted down there, and as soon as I got underneath it, that motherfucker turned off. <laughs> and they were screaming, screaming and hollering. And, um, yeah, man, so uh, my goal, I'm, I'm setting myself out on a goal right now to go find other people that this happens to and document it, get it on video, and try to see if there's people who are studying this stuff and see if there's, because there has to be an explanation for this. There's, And I don't think it's not, nothing too, like, paranormal i think it's just something that we just don't understand yet um which i guess theoretically is the paranormal but like uh um i think i think it's more so of like certain humans either emitting or um uh what's the word i'm looking for instead of what's the opposite of emitting like uh generating yeah like like generating some type of electro like a like a like a almost like an emp field Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I'm working on a documentary for that right now. <laughs> you know, I, had, kind of a lot, I had something that might kind of fall into the same thing that you're talking about. Um, yeah. back in 87 when my, uh, when my dad was killed, um, he, oh, had, I didn't even know your dad was killed. Yeah. Um, he had a, uh, he had a mini mag light, you know, just the, the two triple a, it's a, basically a pen light, you know, that you can keep in your pocket. And, uh, so after he died, I took that and it became part of my toolbox and, um, that flashlight, you know, it's just, you twist it on, you twist it off. And that, that flashlight, I could not keep a set of batteries in that thing to save my life. I would put, fre- oh, really? I would put fresh batteries in, I'd use the light for whatever I was needing it for shut it off, put it back in my toolbox. It could be the next day. It could be a week later. It could be two weeks later. It could be a month later. Go back to use it. I'd have to put new batteries in it. It was only good for one use, which was always, always kind of struck me as being weird, not necessarily anything paranormal, but it was weird. And the fact that it was my dad's, coupled with what I'm going to tell you next, always kind of led me to believe that there was something slightly off about it. After he had, after he'd passed away, um, I had just purchased 
for myself and my first um old uh, tape player um answering machine you know i had the little tiny little cassette in it and you basically it was like a tape player and with that i bought my first cordless phone and it was i can still remember to this day it was the brand name of it was cobra and it was one of the one of the better brands of wireless phones and it wasn't too too long after my dad had passed in the middle of the night the phone rings and i picked it up and mind you this is battery operated phone rings i pick it up and i was kind of startled you know because usually if you're getting a phone call at two three o'clock in the morning it's not a good good call and i answered the phone i said hello now the voice on the other side of it in my head was very much my dad and what he said to me was something that rang extremely close to home because this is exactly what he always referred to me as which was hey boy i didn't have a name i did not have a name it was like my dad it would be like hey boy don't you think it's time to get outside and cut the grass Hey boy, how about you wash? Yeah. The, how about you wash the car for the old man? Hey boy, you know it was always hey boy, and I answered the phone and I said hello and it said hey boy, and I oh. I said what? I said dad, and it went. Eh, 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 eh. Oh my goodness. I hung up when the did phone. this happen? This was, so my dad was hit and killed by a car in October 3rd of 1987. So this would have been within three or four weeks of his passing. Okay. Um, during that time, I had some things going on in the house. I was dating a girl at the time, eventually ended up marrying her. Uh, she, was, <laughs> she was staying with me at, this, at the house that my dad had lived in. And uh, at the time, I was a bouncer in a bar. There was a time where she would come down and hang out with me at the bar. And then I think she got kind of tired of that staying up late and that whole life. So she would stay at my place, which was the house where my dad had lived. Um, And on my break, I called her and I said, hey, you going to come down tonight or are you just hanging out at the house? And she said, no, I'm going to stay here and listen to the uh listen to the symphony and i said what what are you talking about and she goes oh the pots and pans in your kitchen are just like like the shelves gave way and all the pots and pans are just banging around and everything and i said what are you serious and she said yeah and i said are you okay and you know because this bar was literally like three three minutes from my house and she's like no it's fine she says it's kind of weird but it's fine and uh so yeah, I mean there were a lot of things going on, but it, and I've I've touched on this on, in other shows. There was about a six month period from the time that he passed, might have gone eight months from the time that he passed to the time that almost all the activity just completely stopped. Oh, weird. And uh, so back to that phone call, that. The disconnect sound, it went beep, 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 you know, like it was a dead line. I powered off the phone, I hung it back up on its base, and I laid back down, and I was just kind of like 
holy shit, did that really just, I mean, is that my imagination or did I just hear my dad's voice call me a boy? And the fucking phone rang. And I sat up and I looked at it and rang again. I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And there's a woman's voice on the side, on the other side of the phone and says, are you okay? And I said, excuse me. And she said, are you okay? Is there anybody in the house that shouldn't be there? What? And I said, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. I said, I've been just laying in bed, sleeping up until a couple of minutes ago. And she says, do you know if there's anybody else in the house? And I said, who is this? And she identified herself as somebody with the South Bend Police Department. And that what? They, and that they had just received a 911 emergency call from my phone. What? And then when they picked it up, nobody was there. So they were calling me back. Oh, that is that is really that is freaky dude yeah. <laughs> i mean it's not freaky but it's like that's it's freaky that's yeah. weird the the fact that these wow. these two things happened within a minute of each other is is pretty bizarre and yeah like that there's there's no way they're not there's no correlation yeah so you know it did it have something to do with it being a battery operated phone you know, was that yeah, was that allowing it to be manipulated? I, I don't know. It's just, uh, just a a very strange turn of uh, series of events. You know, within, yeah, within minutes that, of each other. Yeah, man, that is mega spooky. I uh, yeah, I grew up. I grew up with a lot of. I grew up with a lot of weird stuff happening. Um, like I was saying with my parents, um, with my parents' house, my mom and dad. Uh, have always seen weird, unexplainable things. I lived up in like a Harry Potter attic is what we called it. <laughs> and uh, so my brother stayed up there before I did. And then I, once he went off to college, I went up, I, it was my turn to go live up there. And, and there was some weird stuff. I mean, any of my friends that you know of can, t- can, can back me up on this, but like we had, we, we would have this, there was this clock in my mom's kitchen that would, just go off at midnight every single night. There was no alarm on this. Like it's not even really a clock. It's like a radio. Um, it just has like a, it just shows the time, but there's no way to set an alarm. There's no way to, to set any type of timer or anything on. There's no buttons for it. There's no remote that, but this thing would go off all the time. So me and my friend started ghost hunting and we actually created the, uh, NMPS, the Niles, Michigan paranormal society. <laughs> and then we were like, we were young. We were super, we were like maybe in middle school and we used to have our meetings at lunch at school. Oh. And yeah, it <laughs> was like awesome. some, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, it was me, Cody Brackett, Kyle Basley. And, uh, we started ghost hunting my parents' house and stuff. And, there would be this horrible, raunchy smell that would appear in this attic that I would sleep in. And there's this little door. It's like a tiny, small door that led to like the crawl space where like for storage and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the smell would physically come from that area over to where like me and my friends were sleeping. And then it would wake us up because it'd be so bad. You'd you'd like smell it in your sleep. And we wake up. And then we'd, we'd, we'd get our equipment out because we had, like, recorders and we had night vision cameras and stuff. 
and we'd start going. And then the smell, you could follow the smell around the room until it led us back to that door. Oh, how creepy. And it would go, and so we, we, yeah, very creepy. I mean, like I said, my mom would see, like, weird electrical balls that, but, and my dad is not, my dad does not believe in any of this stuff. Like, he is the opposite of my mom. He doesn't want to, I think it scares him, honestly. Mm-hmm. My dad's a pretty tough dude. Yeah, he And, is. uh, he, tra- <laughs> yeah, he, tra- he tries not to, like, think about that type of shit, but, like, it actually scares him. And my, there's plenty of stories where my dad would wake up in the middle of the night and see this ball of electrical light and it would smash against the wall and knock something off the mantle. My mom, he'd look over to my mom and she's awake staring at it too. So they both witnessed it at the same time. Um, Did either one of them ever have any contact with this thing? Was it, I mean, was there like an electrical charge to it or? Uh, No, it's, and they said it, it would happen so quick that you would get, you'd catch a glimpse of it. You'd see it for like probably two, three seconds, mm-hmm. real time, and then it would just be gone. It was it was like as if it didn't want to be seen. And my mom has seen it probably since since she's been in the house, probably about thirteen or fourteen times. Now I've seen one that was round about the size of maybe a little bit bigger than a golf ball and smaller than a tennis ball. What what kind of size? With, what kind of size? Hers. She hers she's uh the first few times she saw it it was like the size of a grapefruit and she didn't see that she didn't start seeing this thing until I was I started ghost hunting. That's that's the weird thing is like until I was like getting into ghost hunting this that's that's like when this thing like started and my mom's very she's like me she's a very skeptical believer she like she'll make sure she's not you know sleeping dreaming hallucinating or anything and she'll she'll get up and check things. Um, but, uh, it started off the size of a grapefruit and then it got to about the size of a baseball. Like the, I think the last time she saw, she saw this, the beginning of this past summer, um, she was standing in the living room, uh, putting away, I don't remember what it was. She was putting a bunch of stuff away in the garage and she, and this is during the day too. She comes out of the garage and turns and it's in the middle of the living room and it just slowly goes up into the ceiling right near the the ceiling fan. Did she ever indicate what colors? Because the one I saw was a a very bright white with just a tint of blue to the outside edges. Yep, that is exactly what she saw. I was if 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 you wouldn't have said that and you you had asked me to describe it, that's exactly how I describe it. A white ball with a little bit of blue on it. Isn't that insane? And I experienced freaky as shit. <laughs> I experienced that at uh, Barren Lake Cemetery. Oh, Barren Lake. So uh, <laughs> speaking of Barren Lake, I, I wrote I wrote down a bunch of I wrote down a bunch of like my because like I said I'm a simple believer, but I've had probably about seven a hand like seven things that have happened that I just know are like concrete to me, mm-hmm. and um, one of them happened at Dick Street Cemetery, which is a, a near Barren Lake. And me and Ryan Becker had taken a bunch of high school friends. And this is a cemetery that if you Google it, it won't show up. It's on some dude's private property. And he will, it, it, it became such like a, a, a teenager hangout spot that he started on the weekends and late at night on the, on the weekdays, he'd sit out with his garage open, drinking beer, holding a shotgun because yeah. he didn't want people because to get onto the cemetery, you have to walk onto his property to get back there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, before it got to that point, we, we were able to go out there. Well, anyways, uh, me and Ryan Becker had taken some friends out there and this is the first time I've, I, I physically saw anything and I was probably, 
I think I was about a freshman. Maybe, maybe this is when I was, I started ghost hunting and, um, I, uh, me and Ryan, we, we went to the back of the cemetery and it has one of those very cliche, like big iron gates, like for the entrance. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the fence, the, the rest of the properties, it's a really small cemetery and it's in the middle of the woods. It, it is like picture perfect for a horror film. Because it, the, one, the one that a, I'm talking about, I, th- I thought maybe we were talking about the same one, but the one I'm talking about is right off the road. It is. Yeah. It no, is this ne- one, this one you have to hike. Of, yeah. Yeah, this one you have to like physically like you got to walk on the dude's property and then walk into the woods to get to it. Um, I have pictures and videos of it I can send to you as well. We um, so anyways, we're in the back of the cemetery and we're we me and Ryan are a little on edge because we know that guy. We know he doesn't like people on his property, mm-hmm. and so we have a bunch of loud loudmouths with us who weren't taking it serious, and it was like really annoying us. So we're like, guys, let's let's just go. Like we're gonna get caught. You guys aren't aren't clearly uh into the whole paranormal stuff because me and Ryan and a few other friends were trying to actually ghost hunt while the rest of them were just goofing around, horsing around. And um, we turned to go leave, and we're looking all the way across the cemetery to the front gate, and it looks like like a ball of light, but it almost looks like it kind of resembles a flashlight too. Like mm-hmm. if a flashlight's looking right at you, yeah. and it's coming right through that gate, right toward us. So we're like, oh, we're like, oh shit. It's, 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 it's the neighbor. It's the guy. So we, everyone jumps down and we're all looking behind it. And everyone at this point saw it. Cause we, we got everyone's attention and it was coming right at us and we're looking, we're looking and that fucking light was nowhere to be seen. We sat there for like 20 minutes think, thinking like if it was a flashlight, the guy just turned his light off and he's sitting there in the dark waiting for us. And we just waited, waited, waited. And like I said, it's a whole, it's all gated in, but there's probably only 60, 70 tombs back there. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not, it's not big at all. So we do they, do realize, they date, do they date back quite a ways? Yeah. They're like, like, like early 1900s, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, so after about 20 minutes of sitting there, we get up and we were like, holy shit, that wasn't a person. So we just started booking it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was Baron Lake as well. Baron Lake. Uh, there's a lot of weird spooky shit around Baron Lake. Yeah. Now I just I just forwarded you a couple of pictures um, that were taken at the at the cemetery that I was at, and again this one is right off the road, and uh, I mean you literally park on the road and take ten steps and you're walking through the front gate. Um, my oh well, I already see I already see it. <laughs> <laughs> now my what? experience, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's hear this. My bad. I don't mean to interrupt. <laughs> so if if you that first picture, if you expand it and look off to the left of the uh, um, the the right handed uh, um, the tilted gravestone, if you blow yeah. that up, you're gonna see a face. Yeah. So I outlined. I outlined. Uh, I don't know if the one I sent you is the one I outlined. But uh, it, it very, very clearly is a, a figure leaning yeah. over with their arm on their knee, speaking to somebody that looks like they're sitting in a chair. And I, that was a series I, I learned from uh, oh, ghost, yeah. ghost hunters and ghost adventures. You know, you take a series of three photographs every time you take pictures. And I did that. And first, first frame was clear. Second, second frame, uh, second picture had this uh, this mist in it, and the third one 
was clear again. And uh, I took them in rapid succession. And uh, I'll be damned if in the middle picture there wasn't some some weird mist that uh, sure sure takes yeah. on the form of uh, something unnatural. Yeah, but, it, uh, and it's like and it's like a very clear mist too. Yeah, and it 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 it's weird because it affected the focal length of the of the camera. It it dis- yeah. it distorted the. Um, it distorted the focus on the on the stuff that was back at that depth where those things in the other two pictures where they were clear that that mist changed the focal length or the fo- the focus of the camera and blurred it so that it was focusing more on the mist than it was on the uh on the background yeah i mean that's strange but that's in, super strange yeah and then uh there's a an obvious face in the trees in the second picture that i took um but it almost it's what what's scary about that photo is that it actually looks like a skeleton yeah <laughs> yeah like it, it doesn't it almost yeah it doesn't look it doesn't look like a spirit almost it almost just looks like some forest be like some forest being <laughs> that's freaky that, that is and you can see its shoulder and its arm exactly. and everything you can i did not want to say that because i didn't want to put anything into your head but i'm glad you said that no nah, yes, i see it oh bro those are, that's good now that's the, really, the really good. weird thing about that picture is that is flipped upside down from the position that i actually took the picture oh that is spooky yeah okay um, but we, in, in that same cemetery, uh, my daughter had, uh, she had walked back towards the front of the cemetery and, and crossed between two very large trees. And there was a monument behind there. There was maybe a five or six foot tall monument, uh, kind of looked like the, uh, uh, the one in, in Washington, you know, um, uh, the Washington monument, you know, very tall pillar yeah. with a pointed top on it. And, uh, she walked between those trees and she goes, Holy crap, dad, it got really cold back here. And I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I got 14 and 15 year old kids out there and they're just, you know, making things up. And she called me back there several times. And I finally, I walked back there and in my hands, I had a, I had a camcorder in my right hand that was, was going in night vision mode. And in my left hand, or I'm sorry. And in my right hand, I had a, uh, a for its time, a pretty good Kodak, uh, digital camera. And I walked between those trees and I was struck by it. I was like, holy shit, it is colder back here. And yeah. uh, so I think maybe one other person uh, had, had made it back there. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, I was, I was kind of looking around, but I had, the, I had the camcorder facing the monument. And luckily enough, I, I caught it. Um, but what brought my attention to it was all of a sudden my daughter was saying, you know, and she's like 13 or 14. She's going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And I I whip my head back around to look at her to say, Hey, Rach, quit talking like that. And at the top of this, um, monument, there was a, a, it was a, 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 a bright white with a blue, um, halo around it that was a little bit bigger than a golf ball, maybe not quite the size of a, uh, a tennis ball. And it did this zippity dippity do, you know, uh, figure eight and curly cue. And then all of a sudden just like, poof, and, and just sped off and was gone. And 
you know, I, I had to slow down the video in, in my software at home just to get a, a good look at it. And, you know, the initial, my, my initial scene was just this ball. And then all of a sudden it turned into this squiggly line that looked like, you know, it was, it moved so fast that, for each like the frames couldn't even keep up right yeah there was there was squiggles within each frame so the amount of movement that it had per you know i don't know wow. what a regular uh, camcorder records at how many milliseconds per frame but it had made quite a dramatic amount of <laughs> movement within each frame and then it just literally like shot away from us and and dissipated as it as it went that's weird. And that, that that lines up with exactly what I was telling you about what my mom was saying. Like, that's super strange. And, they, you know, they look alike, too. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the cool thing is, uh, like, you know, being a filmmaker, uh, you know, a lot of people a lot of people can look at me and be like, oh, well, you edit and do special effects and can make this. And, look, and I'm like, yeah, and that's what's great about me being a filmmaker is that I can distinguish when something mm-hmm. is faked and edited versus you know what's real sure and uh i that i i've been able to use those skills a lot during doing all these these uh these ghost hunts that have been going on to distinguish other evidence that has been presented to me and i can call it out right there you know on the spot yeah. and you know i i i understand like the difference between like like matrixing like when you take something and you see it differently like in a photo and whatnot but like those yeah. photos you sent me are so like clear and yeah. it's just like you know what i'm saying like there's no like i like you said you didn't even have to explain it to me i, I could clean it out right away <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what's spooky that's when that's when you got to start asking questions right. <laughs> and i we had gotten an evp there as well uh, my son uh he had his iphone out and had the uh the voice recorder going and uh when we have after everything was over and done with we got back home and i was i was uploading everything to the computer and he he dropped off his phone and i i uploaded whatever he had and there is a segment in there where you can hear him and he's you know he's doing the typical just like they do on ghost adventures you know if there's anybody here who wants to get a message to anybody you know you can speak into this yeah and uh he had he had done that uh, a lot of times i was i was you know kudos to these people that go through all this uh uh all this evidence because it can be a very taxing very taxing it is labor intensive uh you know it's it's a wonder that people can keep their their focus on being able to pick these things out but yeah you gotta you gotta be mega aware too like yeah but there was a very you would call it a class a evp and basically after one of the times that he said is there anybody here that wants to get a message out to anybody you know if you can if you can give us a name we'll be happy to get a message out to somebody and and you hear this voice that says you shouldn't be here oh my gosh and, and that was at the, that's the bear lake uh, area and, yep that was at the very back end where the uh, graveyard meets the uh, the wooded line the wooded area and you know it's as ominous as that sounds when you listen to it my gut instinct uh, my gut reaction to the voice that is is saying this is and not in a threatening manner. It's not in a, uh, a malicious, uh, not trying to intimidate or anything. In fact, you can't really tell that it's a woman's voice, but my, when I hear it, 
I hear like an old lady saying, you shouldn't be here. Not, not like, not like trying to scare you, not trying to just like, yeah, yeah. like this isn't your place. You shouldn't be here. You know? And Interesting. I never, do you, uh, you guys, do you guys still have it? Um, you know, unfortunately the pictures that I sent you, um, were off of a computer that I've had a hard drive issue that, uh, I was able to save, yeah. so, save some of the things. And those pictures that I sent you just recently, um, are off of that. The rest of it is on that drive. I've not killed it yet. I've not sent it, sent it into the, uh, hard, hard drive. Great. Yeah. But, uh, my, my guess is that, uh, those are gone. But, yeah. And I didn't play. I got that. some, I did not play that. Uh, I did not play that EVP for my son for, until maybe just like within the last two years, because I, oh, think, no shit. I think that would have uh, messed him up considerably at, at the age that it happened. Oh man, he he's still pretty heavily involved in this stuff, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he uh, he he shares uh, a good deal of uh, uh, similar likes and dislikes uh, when it comes to this type of stuff. Um, we've, yeah, we, we gotta get a, we gotta get all of us together to go do a hunt. Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody'd be completely um, in for that. Oh, it'd be so fun. Um, I want to tell you about. Uh, I've had. Well, all right. So I sent you that picture of Michael, um, one of the Racka twins, and he's standing in front of that door. Yes, yes, yes. So there is this house. That house is in. That house is across the house I grew up from, and. Um, I, this is the house I got me into ghost hunting because that door has been like that. I did not do anything to that door. So there's just, I got to keep forgetting where there's listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that I grew up at, um, that has been abandoned ever since I can remember. And the story is that there's this big fat slob of a dude who was just like the, the biggest piece of shit lived there. And he had pit bulls in the back, and he would buy pigs and let the pit, like, pit bulls, like, you know, chew and attack the pigs and, like, trim the fight and all that. And, like, in the middle of the night, being morning, and I was a Court, kid when Cortland, can you hear me? Cortland? Yeah. Oh, we're, back area. We're losing. You're, you're getting real tin canny sounding. Oh, no. It's because I'm talking about the house. <laughs> okay, you're you're good now. Okay, that's better. Yeah. Weird. I mean, like I said, it's you know uh, I'm in a I'm in a dodgy area, but you think that if I was gonna have a bad connection, just be a bad connection the whole time. Yeah, we've been talking for an hour, so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, to backtrack, uh, um, I grew up. Uh, do you do you edit these to where you cut you cut through them, or do you just let them roll? I can, I, you know, considering this happened, I'm probably going to leave it in. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think you should. Yeah. I guess spooky. It's weird too. (laughs) Um, so, uh, the house that I grew up in, um, across the street there, there, there's been this abandoned house and, um, we used to use it for, you know, our short films and whatnot. But, uh, the first time I ever went in there, um, I discovered, all that shit that's written on the door. It's all this weird symbols and like the door is taped like around the edges, like yeah, seal. Yeah. To see like a smell or something in. And granted the house is disgusting. The house is like the house should be condemned and there's stuff everywhere. There's, there, there's 
this is the spooky part. There are rooms full of paint buckets that are sealed. All right. And when I was a kid, I never thought anything of it. We used to go some because we thought like the, the writing on the door just looks too. It almost looks like I would have done it for a video, mm-hmm. but I can promise you hands on a Bible, anything. I, I, I had nothing to do with that. And it's been like that since the first time I went in there was probably, Oh gosh, like 2000 and like six, 2007. I was, I was really, I was like maybe 11 or 12. And this house is still like this, this house, that picture I sent you is very recent. Well, I kept telling the rack boys about how this place is haunted and I've had some weird stuff happen. The first time I actually went in there, I took Matt Klein and Matt Vaughn with me, mm, right? They, they lived right, right beside it, didn't they? Yeah, and I have footage. I have footage of us going inside of this house, and it was like 12 o'clock at night, and we're super, super young, not knowing what we're doing, and I'm trying to show them that door, and there's to get into the house, we had to, we had to go through the basement because the, the front of the house is locked up, or not the basement, the back door, and um, to get to get through to where we are by the front door, you have to walk past the basement from the back door. And we're sitting there and we're, we're moving. This guy had like plastic sheets, like instead of doorways, he had plastic sheet sheets hanging up that like blocked off all the different rooms. Mm. And we didn't know why. And we're sitting there, we're trying to open up this one plastic sheet and something goes like this loud banging sound. It's just me and these two youngsters who are like, maybe nine or 10 years old and they, we all freeze right. Like, oh. I'm like, don't move. What was that? And then something goes, dun, 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 dun. something starts running up the stairs behind us oh, we, to get out of the house. We have to, we have to run past the stairs and <laughs> me being older, you know, I'm like four years older than these guys. I just book, <laughs> I just push them to the side. I just <laughs> left and I, run, I, I left them. And, um, ever since then we, we used to go back to this house and investigate it. And this door, I, this door has been on my mind and it has been bugging me for years. And I've always wanted to figure it out. So I told the rack a rack about it this past, um, this past September when they were in town in Michigan. And, um, so he wanted to go see it. So I took him there and we go in and, um, to, I told you about how the rooms have buckets in them, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to show him the buckets. Cause one of the buckets, when I, when I first discovered them, I picked it up and there's like, this weird sloshy liquid in it, but I didn't know what it was. And I was like, what is that? So then we, uh, I go to show Michael and this is a year later from when I found the, found the bucket, uh, uh, the room full of buckets. I go, we go around the corner and half of the buckets are missing. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, all I'm thinking about is like the scene. Have you seen the movie prisoners? No. Oh gosh. So I won't even get into that then. Well, anyways, I'm like, okay, there's like a serial killer living here who is killing people, cutting them up and putting their bike parts in buckets. And now he's moving around. So we decided to, uh, we decided to open up the buckets cause we were, we were just so curious. We opened up one of them full of human shit. Oh, bro. It was, it is the spookiest house ever. But like all that weird, I've been, I've been looking up. Uh, I've been trying to research the the door and the symbols yeah. that are on because the O U plus it almost looks like an upside down cross. And there's a few upside down crosses written on the other doors. It is the top so part of it is, is considerably longer. It does look yeah like right a, a, on on both on, on on both of them. Yeah. So O U cup, 
and then like a teacup, like it just makes no, I've never found anything that has to do with any of these. So maybe you can publish the, uh, you can post this and ask people what, uh, what, what those symbols mean. Yeah. I'll put it out for sure. Does, doesn't you know, that those, door look like it's straight out of a horror film? <laughs> yeah, it does very much. So, and the three, uh, the three images at the top above, the, above the wording, um, the one almost looks like, a if you were looking down on a fish, um, yeah. And I, the, oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. The middle one, I have no idea. And then, it's like a staff or a wand. Yeah. And then the uh, the one on the right. Uh, Clearly, uh, some type of worship, like a. But it almost looks like some alien shit. Like. Yeah, it's. I mean, part of me wants to say there's a bird, but it's got a a big bubble oh, on see, top yeah. of it. Uh, and then like you know, a weird tale yeah i don't i don't know that's bizarre but yeah the whole, <laughs> the whole yeah the whole point of me telling you guys the the story of that house um uh i'm just I've, i'm really curious about this this door and uh the racker boys are gonna they're doing a video on it too but uh yeah definitely if you can you guys can try to help us figure out what any of this means or do some research that would be awesome because i have for 12 15 years i've never been able to find anything on it and it's still there so that's bizarre yeah, man. Well, let's get to uh, let's get to something that you kind of surprised me with. Um, you, when we were messaging back and forth about doing the show together, um, you said you had something uh, relevant to tell me. Uh, back to one of my uh, my second episode, the uh, the big oh, the yes. Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot experience in Southwest Michigan. Yeah. So um, I listened to. Uh, your second episode, your second, third episode um, recently, because I've, I've kind of just been bouncing around mm-hmm. through them. I haven't really been watching them in any specific order. And since I've been hunting and stuff uh, these past few weeks, I saw I saw the title open, opening day, and I was like, oh, this has to do with hunting. I'm like, I'm going to check it out. And I don't know who, he, you know, it's of course, uh, of course anonymous. I don't know who was telling you what happened. You do know who he I is. Almost, oh, I do? I, yeah. need, I, need, I need to talk to him because... <laughs> I had something so similar happen to me and my dad that it, the whole two episodes listening to those two hours, I was like, I, my hair was standing up on my arm. It is right now. Just thinking about it because, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Bigfoot believer, uh, 100%, but I am very like weary on like locations. Like I think like, I, I know they're all around the world and stuff, but like, little Southwest Michigan, come on. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing more dangerous than, you know, walking out and getting hit by a car. Sure. That's other than the, <laughs> that's in those woods. There's the, you're, you know, so I never once thought about, about the idea of, uh, some type of Sasquatch or something being here in at lower Michigan, Northern Michigan, 100%, mm-hmm. um, especially the UP. I 100% believe it, but down here, who would ever even think it? Yeah. So about 15, 16 years ago, my dad had taken me squirrel hunting. I think I was about 11 or 12 years old. Um, this was at a property that my dad's friend owned. And this is right in Southwest Michigan, right outside of Edwardsburg. We had taken just two 22s with us. Um, we're, my, my dad carries a handgun on him. He, he, he's a former Marine, so he's kind of a badass. Um, he's actually the most badass dude I know. So he doesn't get scared much. But this one particular time, we're sitting up in this homemade uh, deer deer blind that's like built out of wood and it's sitting really high up about 25 
25 feet up in the air. And we're overlooking the property. And like I said, this is, this is sitting on about 20 or 30 acres of land. And we're sitting there and we're just enjoying our time, listening, um, having just a good father-son time out in the woods. When all of a sudden, a loud crash happens right in front of us. And it's about a football field and a half away. And my dad and I kind of like look and listen. We're like, that was weird. And then like no later than like four or five minutes, another loud crash happens. And this time it was closer. And we're looking right at where the sound is coming from, but we're not seeing anything. And right from where the sound is coming from, behind that about three, four football fields away, is a bunch of thicket where a swamp is. And this is an area that the, the no one goes on on the property. And so we're sitting there, we're listening, and we're, I could tell my dad's like really confused. And then out of nowhere, following the second loud crash, it is like, I can't even describe it because of how loud and how how different it sounds. The, lar- the long, largest like roar that I've ever heard in my entire life echoes throughout the forest. And like, it was so loud that you could hear birds like off in the distance leaving the trees because of it. And my dad grabs my arm and we both don't say anything and we just freeze. And he looks at me and goes, what the fuck was that? And my dad, I could see it in his eyes, just straight up confusion. He was like, there's nothing in these woods that would emit any type of sound like that. And there was a there was a there's a cow pasture probably seven seven miles to like our our right side, and we could hear the cows mooing um, throughout the entire day. But as soon as that roar happened, we heard no more cows. The forest got quiet. My dad put his gave me the the twenty two. He pulls out his forty five. <laughs> he he's locked and loaded, and he's like, "We're just gonna go." And I was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> it was it scared both of us to death. And it was like I said, I I could I, I could find something similar to send to you, but it was like the stereotypical Bigfoot roar that you would hear. Yeah. And, you know, being a, a fan of the paranormal and, you know, cryptoids and stuff growing up, like I'm scared, but I'm also like really intrigued and really excited. But my dad was like, No, we're getting the fuck out of here. And I was like, no, dad. I was like, let's, let's go. And he's like, I'm not, we're not going to be here to find out what that was. He was so serious. And we had just gotten there and like, we had this whole day planned and whatever that was out in the woods that made this huge loud roar scared the living piss out of my dad, who to me was like invincible. <laughs> Isn't that and amazing? When I heard, and it is. And when I heard, when I heard your, the the um, opening day episode, I I haven't thought about that story in years. I I've talked I talked about it so much growing up that like people kind of like looked at me all weird and like shut up like you're in Niles like there's nothing there's or you know right outside of Niles here there's mm-hmm. nothing here that's gonna do and I was like I bro I'm telling you everyone I've ever told I'm, like, I'm telling you I have never in my life heard something roar like that. There's nothing in this area that can make that that emits that type of sound. Nothing. No. Isn't that? Amazing? And like I said, you could feel it in the trees. You could feel it in the the, the the forest animals. It spooked everything around. And then my dad ended up calling his buddy about it, whose property we were on, and asking him about it. And he says that he's heard 
a roar, but it wasn't like recent. It was like a year or two ago. But the thing that he's told my dad that really spooked us out and which made me freak out when I heard your episode was that his property would get the weirdest stenches. Mm. These smells would come in. And like I said, there's a cow pasture right on the road. So it's very distinguishable like what shit smells like and what something worse than shit smells like. And this guy who owns this property, I can't remember what his name is, but he, um, he was explained to us how for months this weird odor would come into his forest and he, he could never find the source of it ever. And I'm like, wow. you, big roars, weird smells. Come on, <laughs> come on people. <laughs> what do you mean? How is everyone questioning this? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I mean, other than that, there's not too much information. Uh, like uh, there's not a, a more evidence I could give to you guys, but to me, that was all the evidence I needed. <laughs> and how old were you when this happened? I was probably maybe 11 or 12. Have you and your dad ever had a conversation about that since? He, he, I can tell, like we, we brought it up around people and we haven't talked about it in like probably five, five years, me and him specifically. But, uh, every time we talk about it, I can tell he gets a little confused and spooked out. So like, I don't go out of my way to not talk about it, but I can just tell that he doesn't go out of his way to talk about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we haven't talked. Yeah, I, I need I need I was going to call him before uh, this podcast and wanted to like kind of get our brains going about it again. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it was really weird, man. And like I said, the fact that it scared my dad is what scared me. I'd love to get your dad's take on it. If he'd be willing. Oh, to he'll, yeah. 100%. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll totally get him involved. I'll have him give you a call or something. You know, from, from it, the perspective of a, of an adult, father out in the woods with with a young son you know trying yeah. to enjoy a day teaching him how to squirrel hunt to uh you know puckering up and uh being afraid to move because of something yeah. that's that's going on and i'll tell you and this. not even that go ahead oh uh, it was what what spooked me out was how fast he made us get out of the woods like it was like it happened we sat there for like five minutes making sure that like nothing was because we were sitting up pretty high we could like overlook like pretty far into the woods and it wasn't like it's not really dense in the area we're in Mm -hmm. but where the sound came from it's just thicket there's i think a swamp back there there like i said there's a there's cow farms surrounding it and stuff um so it was just freaky how fast he made us get out of there. That's, that's what really speaks me out. Cause I was like, okay, he, if he's scared, I should be scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you this, um, after those episodes aired, I've received, uh, several emails from people who have lived in the Castle, uh, in the Edwardsburg area that currently, oh, no shit. that currently live, uh, one of them, uh, specifically down lives in, uh, Syracuse, Indiana now. And, uh, they have all indicated that that experience in episode two and three is not the only one that has happened in that area. And there is, that a, is incredible. There's a, <laughs> Uh, if, if you, if you go past diamond Lake, um, I think heading, uh, what heading east, um, if you go past, if you drive on the, on the road that goes right outside the outside of uh, diamond Lake and then turn on to Decatur road, 
you're yeah. familiar with the Decatur yeah. Road um, at Lowe Properties. The, uh, yeah. the guy who designed and developed uh, Kitty Litter. Uh, the, the big. Oh, the big, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, that's his claim to fame. He developed Kitty Litter. Um, the email I got from uh, Syracuse was indicating that uh, he and his father used to hunt property that was within the Ed Lowe properties that are out there on Decatur Road and had very similar experiences uh, in, in those wooded areas there as well. Um, wow, that's another, weird, dude. <laughs> another person that uh, emailed me no longer lives in Edwardsburg but did when they were growing up and remembers hearing their, uh, their uncle talk about some experiences that he had had related to the same topic. Uh, in no shit. Yeah. See, and I thought me and my dad were like the only two. Like, legit, I never even thought about asking people and other hunters and stuff until I heard your episode like just a few days ago. And I was like, what? And then now hearing this, are you fucking kidding me? And uh, it's funny because I just, I ran into, uh, I ran into my godfather. My godfather is my dad's first cousin and he actually lives on Diamond Lake. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, you know, people fall away from each other. And I mean, I don't have any hard feelings or anything. We just don't see each other. And uh, neither one of us is the kind that takes the time to, to reach out, which we probably should. Um, yeah. But I ran into him at one of the big box stores uh, just recently, within the last two weeks. And he asked me what I've been doing. And I, I went on to tell him I, I do this podcast now. And he said, yeah, you were always into that weird shit. And he's you and your Bigfoot stuff. And I said, hey, Ron, um, you know, you hunted that area around Diamond Lake quite a bit. And, you know, do you ever, do you ever have any strange experiences out there? And he, he looked and he kind of smiled at me and he, he just immediately jumped to telling me about other people that he knew that had had experiences. Um, yeah. my, my guess is that the look on his face was, yes, he did, but he wasn't going to go down that, that path because he didn't want somebody to think he sounded crazy. Um, yeah. so I, I thought it, you know, it all kind of ties in together and that, that area, that area, I've heard more and more experiences come from out of that area and this is very very much lower southwest michigan uh, yeah you know uh, you know less than less than 20 minutes away from the uh, the campus of the university of notre dame in, in in indiana it's just right over the state line and uh and and see that makes you that makes you think about all these areas that aren't even inhabited with people or places you know, in Northern Michigan, uh, Oregon, Northern California, yeah. Canada, like if people are having that many experiences in these small towns, I can't imagine how much shit people have to deal with out in the boonies, like the actual boonies. Yeah. Yeah. You That's know, I insane. Mean, I've interviewed a woman that, uh, lives, uh, right alongside the edge of the, uh, Morgan Monroe, um, forestry down, uh, uh, southwest of Indianapolis, and uh, she's had uh, she sent me some audio of of something that is howling out in the uh, out in the woods, 
and uh, I actually oh. took that audio and had it uh, had it processed and analyzed by uh, James Lady, who was on my show at one point. Um, and he he got into uh, I think three or four different audio excerpts that I sent him. He said a couple of them he could put pretty much right off as being canine related, whether it be coyote or wolf. Um, probably not wolf being in central Indiana, but you know the possibility. But one of those, yeah, one of those uh, he said does does match up with uh, some other audio uh, evidence that he's got uh, related to Sasquatch. And she's had some she's had some things on her property where something's come in opened up her um her hutch to the uh um quail taken three or four of them but left one or two behind closed the door and basically took what they needed but didn't take all of them Um, that's fucking spooky yeah she said there's a, a small stream that runs along the back end of her property that has uh, several tree breaks all break all breaking off pointing towards the wooded area right along the edge of the the stream wow yeah some oh, weird bro i got that makes me want to do that makes me want to do a, a little side side dock on this area and start doing some actual video get some video evidence of this shit well, I tell you, if you're interested in it, let me know because I can. Uh, yeah, we can we can tag team it, bro. It could be a collab. Yeah, that would be something. An, un- an, an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable video cast. <laughs> yeah. An investigation in the Southwest Michigan Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, Damn, crazy that's wild, man. That is that is that is insane. I would have never guessed a million. Like I said, I, until I heard your podcast, I would have never known. Yeah. That story. That story was that that what happened with me and my dad was I like buried. I didn't bury it on purpose because I like to talk about this stuff, but it's just one of those things that happened that like was just so unexplainable. We just didn't really talk about it too much, and I haven't thought about it in years until I heard your podcast. So it's, a, it's amazing how you can bury something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is weird, and how 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 quickly it can be brought back up with a simple connection mm-hmm. well, listen Cortland it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on, on the show uh, I, I say that because I had you on a, a different show that I do um, but I was really glad to get to sit here and talk to you about uh, about all this weird stuff and uh, man I'm super proud of you. you you're killing it out there keep doing what you're doing um, man I can't uh, I can't tell you how how proud I am of you it's, uh, I appreciate that, buddy. Stuff. Seriously, and hey, I can say the same thing about you. I am incredibly proud of you for tackling this podcast, ta- ta- tackling these these topics that that need and should be talked about. And not even that, it, doing it where it hits home. Like I think that is the coolest thing. And um, I appreciate your time, man. And absolutely love talking about this stuff with you. And yeah. I have a million other stories to tell you, so love to do an episode uh, part two sometime. Definitely, definitely. Um, stay in touch let me know what you got going on if you need uh, promotions or anything um, i'm happy to talk about what your what your projects are and when they're coming out it's been yeah a, man definitely it's been a lot of a lot of fun talking to you man thank you yeah so much. you as well buddy all right man we're yep. gonna we're gonna hang Cheer. this one up 
All right. Cheers, brother. All right. We'll talk to you. Later. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.